Welcome to Men of the Hearts, a monthly podcast from the Archdiocese of Detroit Office of Priestly Vocations. Join me, your host, Father Craig Guerra. And Father David Pelican. As we explore the priesthood, hear vocation stories from priests all over the Archdiocese, and answer questions about discerning a priestly vocation. Tune in every month to wherever you get your podcasts and learn more at DetroitPriestlyVocations.com. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of Men of the Hearts podcast. Today we have a special guest to the show. Uh, This priest is from the same parish as me, and we were in seminary together for about five years. He has had many different assignments during his years as a priest, not only as an associate pastor, but uh, some special assignments as well. He is also well known for the many podcasts he's been a part of, articles (laughs) written, all these great things. Father That's Stephen right. Polis, welcome to the show. How are you today? Hey, Father Craig, Father David, <laughs> the uh, the one fan we have here uh, cheering us on. I'm great. Always. It's a, it's a great honor. I'm a listener to uh, your podcast, so I'm really honored to be with you today. Oh, it's awesome to have you, Father David's in the house. How are you doing, Father David? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm going to be doing really great tomorrow too. So uh, why is that? Vacation, take, taking a little on? trip. Oh, yeah, vacation. little vacation. All so. right. Yeah, but good to be with you, uh, Father Stephen, as always, Father Craig. Yes. Father Polis, before we get into your vocation story and talk about the special assignments that you have had and are going into, Mm -hmm. what's been a blessing for you this past month? Oh, well, kind of the opposite, maybe that's the wrong way to say it, but the opposite of what Father David said, I uh, got back last week from a few days up north with a couple of priest friends, and Mm. northern Michigan in summer is awesome, and uh, it it rained, um, but it was still awesome, Uh, so I had a great time, a couple of really good priests, and just kind of relaxation, hanging out, enjoying nature, and... um, you know, not doing emails or being tied to my phone, like I'm sure you guys know really well. So uh, it was a, a wonderful little respite. Uh, we laughed really hard. <laughs> we prayed together, offered mass together. It was a great joy. So that's a, that's a blessing at the forefront of my mind right now. Yeah, that's always fun to go on vacation with priests and because you get into a rhythm where you can like, okay, this is prayer time. This is mass time. This is when we're going to go out and have fun. So... Yeah. Yeah, it's always really nice. I'm an up and early guy, even on vacation. Like, I don't Mm. know how to sleep in. So it was great. The two guys slept in a little bit more than I did, and I could get up and have coffee and pray with... You know, oh, like yeah. like six thirty ish. So that not super time. early. But Father David, are you up up and Adam early too? I'm usually up and Adam pretty early. Yeah. So yeah, I like that morning time before the day starts, right? Yeah. You get your coffee, maybe your breviary. Yeah. And sitting quiet, you know. Yeah. So that that was uh, that was really great. And then when they were up, you know, we got to have a ton of fun. Cool. Yes. Cool. I like to sleep in myself two o'clock yeah. in the <laughs> afternoon, and so perfect for me. Right. Uh, I, I wish I could do that. I just don't have it in me. So, <laughs> Father David, what is new for you? Well, you know, I uh, as I said, I'm going up actually on vacation. I'm going up north as well. Yeah, going to a place that I think Father Steve might know of, uh, oh, Isle Royale. Oh, oh, sweet. Yes. So, uh, and where is see that? Some some moose. Some where mooses. is that? Uh, it is in Lake Superior. It is as far north as you can get in Michigan. And you have further, to go by boat Canada. or plane, right? Yes, we are. We are going. We're t- we're taking a seaplane to the northern end of the island, where there's less people apparently, oh. and hopefully more moose. Well, I remember moose, f- meese. 
Yeah. Something like that. M- <laughs> <Mies>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Father Steve, when you went there, you were like, I, you remember telling me that you were in a, like a shack with like 10 other people and half of the people you didn't know or something like that? Or? Well, on the Mm-mm. Camino, we did that. But on um, Isle Royal, we did a little trip. Yeah, it's uh, it's about as far away as you can get. Like a lot of maps of Michigan don't even have it because it's so yep. close to um, that part of Ontario there. I think it's closer to Duluth than it is to yeah, the UP. Yeah, I think so. Um, but yeah, so it's way up there and uh, it's really, it's our only national park and it rained one of the days. So we there's a little lean-to and a few of the other hikers and um, the group we were with uh, were all kind of like huddled in this lean-to during the rain and it was uh, it was a lot yep. of fun. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know what the weather report looks like for you, but I, I hope you have beautiful weather. It's, it's looking beautiful. Maybe rain one day. Yeah, uh, but uh, you know, highs in the seventies, lows in the fifties. Uh, Sweet, it's looking looking perfect. Awesome, awesome. And you're taking your own tents and everything like that. Oh yeah, bringing everything yeah. with us. A little oh. backpacking trip. I would be remiss if I didn't ask you the ever popular question of where'd you go uh, or what'd you get from Costco this uh, month. <laughs> of course, of course, Father Steve, are you a fan of Costco? I have. Been to Costco once oh in my, my life with my internship uh, pastor, but are, I enjoyed it. But I don't have a, a devotion. It's not a particular uh, devotion in my life. You're, you're missing out. Although, I although I, I I have to mention this uh, this time um, because uh, I can't really take credit for my love of Costco. It was mm. it was really given to me by by someone else, a former associate at Divine Child, uh, Father Matt Hood. He reminded me ah. of this. We were hanging out. Uh, the other day and he said you know everybody's gonna know you as like the costco guy but that was really me oh, <laughs> so so we have I to give a shout out to, in the to, air. to father matt <laughs> the, the original costco guy father matthew he is a good guy he's a great he priest he is but yeah. you're gonna take his uh, crown for being the costco priest <laughs> well i just think you've perfected it and brought it to the mm. wider audience right mm. maybe he started <laughs> yes. it there you, you perfected go. it you I'll, finished I'll, it yeah. settle for that <laughs> so what'd you get what did I get? Oh, well, I was actually shopping for my trip, so I got a lot of trail mix type stuff, and I'm going to try uh, turkey jerky. So mm-hmm. it was uh, it was a little cheaper than uh, beef mm-hmm. jerky, and uh, we'll see if I like it. Uh, cool. Everything tastes a little better when you're out in the woods and a little hungry, so <laughs> I'm sure yeah. I will. But. I bought so many bags of beef jerky from Costco now. I just yeah? just always every time I go into the fridge, I got like. Yeah, I saw some in there things. today. Yeah. <laughs> I've eaten so much jerky lately. <laughs> Beef jerky is pretty quintessential road trip and hiking food yeah. to me. So uh, I think it'd be funny to open the fridge and like see beef jerky, like not on a road trip. But yeah, that that's my experience. Well, this is funny because I was on vacation too uh, oh. last week, I, and I think our listeners know. Yeah, it's like you know, priests. It gets a little bit slower in the summer, and we're able to take off a little bit more. So. We do that, and uh, I, I I did stay at home, but I, I went out every single night, actually, and went to different places. I went to the Toledo Art Museum. It's mm. a great little museum. I like it, and there's a couple paintings in there that I really like. My patron saint, St. Anthony, there's a triptych yes. there of him with some of the miracles that he did. He raised the dead in one of them. Uh, he uh, was doing the consecration, and no one believed in the Eucharist except the donkey, who saw the Eucharist and knelt down and bowed down before yeah. the Lord, which is beautiful. And then, of course, my favorite painting of uh, him preaching to the fish because no one would listen to him, but the fish were listening to him intently. So I thought that was really cool. I went to the DIA, and, of course, I've been to the DIA so many times. And in fact, mm. 
I've been to so many museums across the world. The DIA is just a wonderful museum. If you've never been there before, go. We have one of the largest collections in the world. I don't know the exact number or the specifics, but only something like 15% of what we have at in the uh, DIA is actually viewable. They have so many in storage and they can mm -hmm. do so many different rotations. Wonderful, wonderful museum. So if you have never been there, you should go there. And then also I went to the Ann Arbor, um, not Ann Arbor, University of Michigan uh, Art Museum. I was going to visit a friend up there and it's got some little gems in there too. So ah. I thought that was pretty cool. And then nice. just saw a bunch of friends. So that's always good. Cool beans. It's a yeah. good vacation. Yeah. Yeah, so Father Pullis, uh, yeah, really don't know too much about your vocation story, so I'm excited to hear, you know, what you got to, sure. what you got to say. So, however you want to start it off, however you yeah. want to tell us. Yeah, so uh, I grew up in a wonderful Catholic family. I have a bunch of siblings, and the faith right. was really important to us. So I'm one of ten. Are you one of seven? One of eight. One of eight. You have you seven beat sisters. Yes, yeah, seven yeah. sisters. So. Uh, yeah, so a really great family. Faith was really important to us. Uh, it was always part of my life. Um, went to Catholic school. We prayed the rosary together every night. Like, we were super Catholic in lots of ways. You know, grew up being an altar boy and really loved my Catholic faith. Um, but, you know, as I got into high school, other things became more important. As I got into college, lots of other things became more important as well. And it was when I went to college, I... Um, you know, was I wouldn't say I fell away from my faith. I certainly didn't, but it wasn't the central principle in my life. Was and it a Catholic college? Yeah, I, I wound up going to a local college that's closed now called St. Mary's College in Metro mm -hmm. Detroit here. Um, they had a Eucharistic adoration there, and our campus minister was kind of walking up to people and asking them to sign up for an hour of Eucharistic adoration so that it could be open throughout the day. Because if you have the Blessed Sacrament exposed, it, uh, our Lord can't be left unattended. And I remember that appealed to this very, like, masculine, responsible part of me. Like, yeah, I can do that. I can sacrifice an hour of my week to do that mm -hmm. so that this can be open, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that was a, just a hugely important part of my life in college was whatever my semester classes were, I would take an hour between classes on certain days, depending on the semester schedule, and just go pray before the Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. Um, again, I had grown up very Catholic. I had never really taken that initiative in my own life before, mm -hmm. um, and so I didn't really know what to do. So often I would fall asleep. Uh, oftentimes I would just bring books to study, right? I'd be studying like uh, international relations or uh, astronomy or whatever classes I had. I'd be like, okay. Astrology? Uh, not astrology. <laughs> <laughs> astronomy. Um, and uh, uh, so and I would pray the rosary sometimes or read scripture, you know, all these different um, things to kind of pass the hour. and. You know, as my life got really busy in college, I was working a lot. I was going to school full time. I had a very active social life too, a lot of friends and doing stuff. I really began to love that hour each week when I didn't mm. have anything else to do, when I could just be quiet. Um, I realized how busy and noisy my life was, and I loved that part of it. I'm an extrovert. I think both really? of you know that. <laughs> yeah, and, and I loved it, but I began to kind of love this time of 
just being quiet. And oftentimes, it was a very small chapel. I mean, not much bigger than the studio we're in right now. Uh, it had like four seats in it. And oftentimes, I'd be the only one there. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people, other people would come. And I really began to learn how to pray through Eucharistic adoration. Began to, like, in the silence, just kind of open up my heart a little bit more to the Lord and kind of, like, you know, trust him and ask him questions or try to hear what he was, what he wanted to say to me. Um, so Eucharistic adoration was the foundation for it. And, um, you know, I talk about it like... Uh, like being out in the sun. We were talking about being up north. Like mm-hmm. being out in the sun, um, oftentimes you don't feel it right away, but it has an effect on you, right? Mm-hmm. It changes you. In the pre- being in the presence of Jesus and the Blessed Sacrament is like that. So the more I would do it, the more like my complexion, I would get a spiritual tan. Yeah. That's mm. really corny. You just, no, you, just <laughs> stole, you stole my homily. I preached that before. Did you? Yeah. yeah. yeah you must have heard it from me. Yeah. Uh, probably. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, no, but just like being in his presence, like it, it would start to shape me and like I just got more comfortable and enjoyed it um, and and began to really love to pray. At the same time, I was meeting men and women who were real disciples of Jesus. Can I just stop yeah. you there for a second? Because I think a lot of times when I'm talking to men about going to the Adoration Chapel and being before the Lord, you kind of mentioned you were doing a couple of things, but what became something that you did every time you were there before the Lord that could be really helpful for someone who hasn't done adoration before? Yeah, I don't... Uh, I, it's hard to explain it for me because the rosary was a way into it for me too, but just being quiet and not thinking Mm. about the million other things I have to do. Mm -hmm. So sometimes for me that would be like just breathing, like slowing down my breath, and just um, not focusing on my breathing, but just kind of letting, you know, a breathe in and breathe out, and just like being very present to Jesus. Uh, So I don't know how to explain this very well, but the rosary was often a way into doing that. Kind of the routine Mm. and the Mm -hmm. ritual of the prayer. Meditative. Yeah, was a way for me to just kind of like, I'm not worried about what I have to do tonight. I'm not worried about this test coming up. I'm not worried about if I have 13 or 48 more minutes left in the (laughs) chapel, right? Mm. Like, I'm just going to be quiet, and I'm not going to have any expectations for everything else in my life right now. Mm. I'm just going to be before Jesus and know, like, this is where I need to be. And sometimes it was like having a fly swatter to swat away the the Mm. distractions that would come up, right? Like you'd hear something, you'd be like, oh, I wonder what that's going on. You'd be like, no, Jesus, I'm here with you. I'm quiet. I want to hear your voice. And um, some days that was really hard. Some days that was beautiful. But that became my way to, to kind of pray, to say like, Yep, I'm here with the Lord, and that's yeah. right where I need to be. Yeah, that's that, awesome. That is really beautiful. And you know, it's, it strikes me, Father Craig, how many uh, people, when we ask them about their vocation stories, their vocation to the priesthood, say that just quiet time in front of the Blessed Sacrament it has been a part of it. I know it's been a part of my uh, my vocation, and I just I think it is so important to have that time where you, you check out, right? You, yeah. you step back from that's part of what I'm looking forward to on vacation too, right? It's yeah. just like to step back from all the stuff you got to do, all the busyness, and just have a moment of of quiet, alone with the Lord. So yeah. I, I graduated college in '06, and the world has changed in my mind with the mm. advent of the smartphone. I sound like this old man <laughs> back in my day, but the number of distractions now, like even when I go to pray now, like mm. if I don't put my phone away. 
like I feel it vibrate or it's just so sure. easy. So I think it takes even more attention for me now and I would imagine for everyone else to have that like the depth that silence provides. So you can really hear the Lord and not just hear like on the surface, but you can hear if he might be asking something more than like you're immediately ready to give, <laughs> you know, right, right. like let let, mm-hmm. let that relationship grow to a depth where Jesus can speak the word that he wants to hear and we can we can realize that it's coming from a place of of love and not just kind of this surface hmm. thing that happens. Yeah, you know what I've been doing recently that's kind of really interesting is I've been putting uh, noise-canceling earphones into ah. and it's just like it's totally silent and all I can hear is my breath yeah. in and out. And it's really meditative, but it just... Again, that silence is something mm-hmm. completely different than our world today because yeah. there's always something making noise. Yeah. yeah. So we kind of stopped okay, you yeah. on that. Yeah. So, so, I mean, when I think about my vocation, I think about three things in addition to my awesome family. But I think about Eucharistic adoration and silence. I think about the men and women I met at my college who really loved Jesus. And I saw that in a way that was very attractive. I saw people my own age who loved the Lord and... I don't know how to say this, but weren't super weird about it. <laughs> you know, like, like they were people like, a long I, way. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I kind of wanted to be like, or I wanted to be friends with them. Yeah. Um, and that was really attractive. It was, you know, I, I think about the way Jesus sent his disciples out two by two and the way we're not meant to walk the Christian life by ourselves. And we need people farther along the journey who can kind of inspire us. And I certainly had that with some peers who were really, really in love with the Lord. And, Explain and that, that, but like, wh- how were they in love with the Lord that made you just attracted to them? Yeah, so they would pray pretty regularly, right? They would go to Mass. There was a daily Mass on campus, and so oftentimes they would say, yeah, that's what we're going to do now. Um, they would uh, have a pro-life witness. They would go to an abortion clinic and pray in front of the abortion clinic, and then, like, go hang out afterwards, right? So it it was, like, very normal with the public witness of their faith and having fun and just kind of goofing around, too. Or I like to play basketball, so there are a couple of guys who I played basketball with, and they would, you know, often pray uh, together in their apartment. They would have religious symbols up. It's just like, yeah, that's really – it's an integrated life, an integrated way of following Mm -hmm. the Lord that was attractive to me. Cool. And then I, uh, this college also had an integrated Catholic curriculum, so we studied a lot of theology and philosophy, which totally annoyed me at the beginning because I didn't want to do that. <laughs> I had a career path in mind that I was going to do, and I felt like that was like... Well, what was it? Yeah, so I wanted to get into politics. I wanted to go to law school, and um, so I studied political science, and uh, I remember very clearly my freshman year in college saying... I'm going to be the governor of Michigan. I want to be governor. I can uh, see that. I yeah. can see that. <laughs> so um, you like certain Sunday morning shows that nobody—that's right. We, under we, eighty years old would watch. So, so tell the story. We used to live together. Yeah, for a summer. Was it a summer at a parish? I yeah. was uh, first year or second year priest, and you were over there. And you know, after mass, I come into you know, the TV room and you're watching the most boringest political savvy (laughs) (laughs) show that only 80 year old people would watch. (laughs) Like, what are you watching? Well, it's a local station about local politics, about... It's the PBS 
show about state politics and <laughs> what's going on in our country uh, or in our state. And I can't remember the name of it, but Tim Skubik was the ho- is the host, and I mm. uh, would often have local politicians talking about issues like roads or legislation that was passing. Father David, it's fascinating. Mm. All fun stuff. Mm. I'll All take your word for that. <laughs> yeah. Always want to know well, when a road is uh, being uh, made. <laughs> <laughs> They're fixing the potholes. You know? Anyway, uh, off the record with Tim Skubik okay. is what it was okay. called, off the record. I just, I, I think it's interesting because a lot of guys, you know, they're like, well, I, I like this or I like that and God can use anybody. And, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. you have this in you and you can actually see it when you say, I wanted to go into politics. I could yeah. see how you'd do really well at that. Yeah. So I was very convinced that's what I was going to do. And then uh, the the third part of my vocation story was we had to take these classes in theology and philosophy. And the intellectual part of the faith was a great help to me. I had asked a lot of questions and I, um, you know, the the beauty of our faith, St. Augustine talks about this with scripture, uh, I believe it's Augustine, um, but where he talks about it's shallow enough for a child to wade in and deep enough for an adult to swim in, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That like, who, no matter how young you are, you can get something out of scripture. No matter how old you are or how experienced you are, you can continue to learn and grow from it. I think about that with our Catholic faith too. So it answered a lot of the questions I had about my life, how I wanted to live my life and why the church offers a way that's different than society mm-hmm. offers mm-hmm. and why that way is better and rooted in a deeper call to happiness um, that, uh, that Jesus invites us to through his Catholic church. So wonderful people who were following the Lord for me, um, intellectual understanding of our faith, and then Eucharistic adoration. And towards the end of my junior year, I was getting ready to take my LSAT, my law school admissions test. I was studying my butt off for that. Um, And I was in adoration, and I had this image of me as a priest just pop in my head when I was Hmm. praying one day. I had not really thought of it before. Ever, even as a child? I don't know. I mean, I had a brother who was in seminary for a religious order when I was a kid. So I was around it a bit, but I don't remember thinking about it actively for Mm. me. And this just kind of popped in my head. And how old were you at that point? I was a junior in college, so like 20, 21. Okay. Mm. Yeah. And I remember saying, what the heck was that? But I didn't say what the heck. Um, I swore a lot more back then. So I, I used some different language um, that I, I won't use here because I don't <laughs> use that language anymore. But I remember being very thrown off by it and it's not what I wanted. And I kind of was like mm-hmm. wrong number. So I like looked around the chapel like, who am I supposed to give this message to? And yeah. There's no one there. So um, yeah, I was really kind of like, absolutely not. So I just pulled out a textbook. It's like, oh, if this is what we're going to talk about, Lord, like conversation over. <laughs> you yeah. <know>? Wow. <laughs> I got some yep. studying to do. <laughs> yeah. Because um, I was dating a girl at the time and had kind of this career path planned out. And so that nagged me all throughout the summer um, after my junior year and didn't really talk about it. When I came back in the fall, there was a priest I got to know pretty well or who started, who I, who I liked and trusted. Father Xavier, and I remember approaching him about it. Uh, do you know the Milas Christi? Oh, yeah. Priest? So Father, yes. Father Xavier Ray was a Milas Christi Xavier, priest. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Um, he's now in Mexico, but he was the chaplain at the Father, time. Father David was on a discernment weekend with them. You know? I, I spent a week with them, actually. I, I was considering uh, joining them. Ah, uh, yeah. nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, I figured you would know them based on, like, being on the West Side and, yep. uh, and yep. all that stuff. Yep. So, um, so anyway, I, this has turned into a little bit longer than I thought. So. No, this is great. This <laughs> okay. is great. Yeah. Um, so I went to Father Xavier, and I said— um, Hey, Father Xavier, uh, I think God's calling me to be a priest. How do I get rid of that? Because I got my life <laughs> planned out. I got this <laughs> other stuff, right? Yeah. Like, how do we get rid of this? Like, Were you what's still the, dating a girl at this time? I wasn't. So we broke up like two weeks after <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the moment. And, but I was like, ah, it doesn't really count. We were only dating a few months. So Did it you wasn't break really... up with her? Did you break well, up I don't her? remember all the details. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I just... <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I think it's interesting for guys because they get this call while they're still dating a girl and they don't know what to do with, with yeah, that. And... I didn't break up with her. Okay. She broke up with me. And I was like, well, that doesn't really count. Because, yeah, thanks, Father. <laughs> the, the sympathy I'm getting. That was, that was, that was God, God sent that on her heart. It had yeah. nothing to do. Yeah, <laughs> nothing to do with anything. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So I went to Father Xavier and told him, like, "Hey, help me get rid of this." And he said, "Well, if you don't go on, a, if you don't like think about this and pray about this in a real way, it's it's going to nag you the rest of your life. And whatever you do, this mm. is going to be in the back of your mind." Yeah. And that was really good advice. That's what I needed. Mm-hmm. A lot and of guys, a lot of guys have that in the back of their mind for years and years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And like I had all these other plans I wanted to do. And I thought if I start going down that road and this is nagging and this is nagging on me, I'm just going to be like, you know, it's going to be miserable. I got to get rid of this. Mm-hmm. And so... Yeah, he's like, well, you should go on a retreat. So he put on a retreat for me and one other guy. Wow. Um, do you know John Henry? He's involved in Milos Christi. Maybe, uh, uh, I don't know if I, I know him. Know. Maybe yeah. it's John Newman. I think it's John Newman. It's not John Henry. It's I know John, John Newman. Newman. Yeah. John Newman. That's yeah, who it John was. Yeah, so he talked well. this other guy into coming so it wouldn't be so awkward, which is <laughs> one, one person on retreat. Yeah. So John Newman came. Um, he did not end up becoming a priest. He didn't. No. no. Um, I, I think he was working for them, and I think Father Xavier was like, hey, can you come so it's not so <laughs> awkward? And, um, and during that time, so, yeah, during that time I, I fought a lot with the Lord. I didn't sleep mm-hmm. that well on the retreat and just had a lot of back and forth, like, bargaining. Like, okay, Jesus, like, don't ask this of me. I'll do something else, but not mm-hmm. this, right? I'll do this, I'll do this, I'll do this. Just don't ask this. And I just felt miserable. Hmm. And so towards the end of the second day, I um, I was just exhausted and tired of fighting. And I remember saying, fine, you win. You hmm. want me to be a priest, I'll be a priest. Fine. Um, I'll be a priest. It'll be miserable, but you win. I'm tired of fighting with you. Ooh. That's what everybody wants to hear, right? <laughs> <laughs> and Father Craig, as soon as I said that, like, all of the anxiety and the fear went away. Hmm. And there was this kind of peace that I had never in my life experienced. Mm-hmm. That like, you know, this incredible act of generosity of fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done fighting. Yeah. And Jesus just flooded my heart with a kind of peace I'd never known before. Mm. And I remember thinking, maybe this won't be miserable. 
And it was like this total sea change in my life that what Jesus is asking of me is for my good. It's for my flourishing and fulfillment. He's not like, hey, we need a soldier to fill the line. You're the guy. Go up there and do it. He's like, no, I've created you for a purpose. And only if you do that will you understand, like, the deepest joy I want you to have. And it just blew my mind. I was like, oh, this won't be miserable. Yeah. This is going to be great. Uh, and it took a while for like my heart to kind of trust that and get around to it. But at that point, I, I was in. I was hooked. Was it hard then with being with the religious order sort of there and, and having a brother that was in a religious order at some point? Did you think, okay, now am I going to be a religious order priest or a diocesan priest? How did that happen for you? Yeah, so... Uh, um, Father Xavier was great. So I remember sharing this with him in spiritual direction that day afterwards and telling him, like, yeah, I think this is what God wants. And his immediate response was, good, but don't think you're doing God any favors by becoming a priest. Like, God is giving you this gift. Don't think you're doing God a favor. Wow. And that's exactly what I needed to hear. Like, that was perfect Mm -hmm. for me to say, like, okay, don't, like, get into this big self-congratulatory mode. Like, this is a gift God is giving you, Mm -hmm. and and you need to remember that it's a calling to holiness. It's not just a calling to... Um, to just happen to be a priest, but to be a priest with a spirit of generosity, you know, in returning, like, your life back to the Lord who has given you all this. So I thought that was very helpful to kind of get out of the mindset of, like, oh, I'm, I'm going to be a priest now, you know, because you hear a lot of people, like, wow, that's so great, that's wonderful, congratulate mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. But to turn that off and to focus on, like, no, I need to, like, I need to prepare my life to be given over to the Lord. Um and that's exactly what I needed to yeah. hear. Um, but your question about religious life, so I did talk with him about their order. I went on a discernment weekend with a different religious order, uh, the Jesuits, mm. and I, I did a weekend with them, and then I came to Sacred Heart Seminary, and it was very clear that Sacred Heart was the place that uh, God was calling me to be and the place where I could grow in holiness and be yeah. the priest mm. I think God wanted me to be. So what were you doing during the time of um, applying to the seminary? I mean, what was that like for you? What was your life? What was a normal kind of day for you? Yeah. I don't know. Um, So I was finishing up school. So this all happened in December. Of It was between the semesters of my senior year. I went on this retreat. I had another semester of school. Um, and I remember, like, a number of friends were surprised when I told them this. Really? I had not mm-hmm. been, like, mm-hmm. publicly discerning. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was going to school. I was still working. I had a little bit of debt. You told them before you even started to apply? My friend, friends? Because yeah. um, I didn't I tell anybody remember. until I actually applied. Yeah. Except my parents. I told him before I applied, but I think I told him around the time I was going on discernment weekend. That retreat, like everyone discerns differently. That retreat was like, nope, this is what God is asking me to do. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that may change, right? Like that may have changed. I didn't think like I'm going to seminary, therefore I have this right to be ordained and I have to be ordained. But it was sure, very much sure. like like this is the direction of my life. So I wasn't like preaching it to everyone, but I did mention it to a few people and then word gets around. Yeah, sure. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so I was in school. I had some debt, so I picked up some extra time at work, uh, some extra shifts at work, and yeah, just school and work and 
praying. I remember reading a lot of Cardinal Ratzinger at the time. Mm. He had become Pope already. Uh, so this was like January of 06, February mm-hmm. 06. He became Pope in like yeah, that was my April first of 05. Yeah. I, I was the uh, lackey of one of the priests here who was in charge of decoration. And I remember going to Joanne Fabric to get a whole <laughs> bunch of black bunting when the Pope died. He put black bunting over the door. Ooh. Yeah. So um, I remember sitting there in line and the lady's like, why is everybody buying black? Mm. You know, and I told her and I go, you might want to start buying some yellow because once the new pope is yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. named, then you put the yellow bunting. She's like, what color yellow? And I'm like, look at the <laughs> papal flag. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, thank you so much. <laughs> so, yes, it was that time. <laughs> yeah. So I, I read a lot of Cardinal Ratzinger. I think he's the most brilliant theologian of the post-Vatican II era. Any particular book that was really helpful for you? You know, he did a number of these interviews with Peter Sewold. Oh, yeah. So, like, God in the World is one, and In Converse... uh, I don't know. He did, like, four or five interview books, and I just found it fascinating and wonderful. And then I read his Spirit of the Liturgy, which was fantastic as well. Yeah. Anybody that helped you kind of walk with you through this journey as you were applying to the seminary, like another priest friend or... Are you, am I supposed to say you? No, no, not at all. Oh. <laughs> You're supposed to say the vocations director. <laughs> well, I did meet with the vocations director. And again, like everyone's different. I met with him and then went on the discernment weekend. And then I didn't call him back for a couple of months because I was kind of chewing it on it mm. on my own. And that then when ha- I called that him, happens. <laughs> and then when I called him, he's like, oh, I thought you had dropped off the radar, you know. So, that happens. <laughs> so call the vocation director back, be in conversation. Uh, with the vocation director, but um, Father Xavier was very, very helpful for yeah. me. He was yeah. kind of the one, the one most helpful. And how was your family? Because we had uh, Father Brian Casa on uh, last month, and he said his family was totally against it, and mm. his mom wouldn't even talk to him if he was going to enter the seminary. So yeah. just interesting to hear that aspect of it, because I don't know if I could have entered the seminary without my family's support. What was it like for you? <laughs> yeah, um, so I went on this retreat in December, uh, right after the semester ended. So it was like December 15th-ish, whatever. Um, and it was just very clear after that that this is what I was calling, called to do. So I told my parents that I was going to do this. So I had applied. I had all these law school applications. I'd taken my LSAT, my law school admissions test, had all my applications, references, all of that like stacked neatly on my desk in my room. Mm-hmm. They were ready to be mailed out. And I never mailed them out. Um, And so I told my mom and dad that this is what, like, I think I'm going to do this, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And this was, like, a couple of days before Christmas, and our whole family got together on Christmas. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, again, big family. Most of my siblings are older, so I have a bunch of nieces and nephews at the time. So it's, like, 25 people together for Christmas, just our immediate family. Yeah. And I remember saying, like, okay, like, I don't want to have to tell 25 times. I'm just going to make an announcement mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> at Christmas. So, like, everyone was asking, like, oh, how's, you know, you getting ready for law school? How'd your, uh, you know, your applications go in? Have you heard anyone? I was kind of like, uh, hemming and on. And then after dinner, I remember, like, we we're all in the living room. 
and you I remember- You clink on your glass. We're like, everybody, <laughs> <laughs> I have no, something to say. Our, our stairs go up like across the hallway from our living room. So I went up on the stairs. Race like, platform. Yeah. <laughs> like, here ye, here. No, I just wanted a place where I could do yeah. it. And I was like, hey, can I have everyone's attention? And we just never do that. <laughs> so like everyone got quiet, like, uh-oh, <laughs> what's going on? And so I told him on Christmas Day, and my wow. family couldn't have been couldn't have been happier about it. And they were like, hip, hip, hooray, <laughs> hip, hip, hooray. <laughs> and we sang <laughs> old sure legs on. Yeah. <laughs> no, they were very happy and, you know, uh, very happy for me. That's so, great. So they were great. It's a blessing. Yeah. I, I've got a question, too, just yeah. growing up in a very Catholic family. Was there, um, was there much talk about the possibility of, like, a religious vocation and the priesthood? You know, growing up, was that, was that presented as an option? Uh, yeah, it certainly was. Um, my oldest brother entered oh, religious sure. life yep. um, with a community. And um, so he left when I was young because, you know, I'm ninth. He's first. Oh, yeah. I was in kindergarten when he went away. Yep. And he's like he, an uncle. Yeah. yeah. And then he was Another gone feeling. for a number of years. Um, so that was always part of our life sure. growing up. It was never heavy handed. And I think yeah. my parents wanted to make sure there wasn't a kind of expectation. Yes. Um, sometimes in very strong religious families that can feel like an obligation or someone has to do this or like we would really love for this. And it, it can right. just feel right. like, yeah. you know, a, um, a little too much pressure. And I think my parents were very good at making sure that we knew about it, that priests were respected, yes. um, but that it wasn't something that, you know, they were saying like, okay, which one of you is going yeah, yeah. <laughs> to do, gonna you know? do it? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was good. very much a part of our life, but it was it was never a um, like heavy handed about There's it. There's no pressure, right? Yeah. I think yeah. pressure either way is right. To yeah. get that freedom is, is good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think it was great. I mean, my, I would have rebelled. I'm pretty sure if, <laughs> if, my, if my parents told me, we think you should do this. I think I would have been yeah. like, nope. nope, you know what? I'm going to do it. <laughs> I'm not going to do it out of spite. Yeah. <laughs> so as a little kid, I would have been like that. And then if you were in the seminary and felt like you were called out of it, you, you knew you would be supported even in that decision. Yeah, exactly. And mm. I, I know that's that was really important to me that it was, you know, mm-hmm. my decision. People were supporting me, but there wasn't a kind of like you're going to be shunned if mm-hmm. if this doesn't work out in seminary. Yeah. Now, I want to talk about something that I, I didn't really expect to talk about, but I just I don't think people know this or, you know, it's in some books. But like when I decided to apply to the seminary, it was the moment that I started filling out the application that I felt like attacked. Like hmm. all of a sudden, all of my sins from my past life just became so vivid. And it was as if like the evil one was saying, see, you can't do this. Hmm. You can't do this. And I was so afraid. Like yeah. I literally was almost catatonic. I couldn't speak. I remember people at work were like, what's wrong with you? And I was just like, I'm fine. I'm fine. But yeah. mm, I was yeah. so afraid. And, uh, you know, and the, and I think the evil one can come in so many different ways. All of a sudden the past girlfriend shows up mm-hmm. or, you know, the family's against it. Uh, did you have anything that you had to kind of deal with in, in that time? You know, I didn't in the time you're talking about, like filling out the application. I think uh, a couple of times for me was when I, um, when I thought God was asking me and I was fighting against that. Um, and then like in preparation for ordination, I felt that. Yeah. I felt mm-hmm. like there was a lot of, 
I don't know, just like <laughs> drama. Yeah, I mean, this isn't the best analogy, but there's a scene in in a, a movie I remember seeing where a guy's getting ready to get married, and the the bride is walking down the aisle, and his best man is chirping in the ear like, "It's not too late to leave." It's not too late to leave. <laughs> and it just felt like there was a little bit of yep. that. Like oh, wow. I'm like, that yeah. is not of God. Like that is just mm. like. This awful person chirping in my ear, Father David. Father, yeah, like, Father David, you like a bobblehead right here, shaking <laughs> your head. You're like, what, what went on with you? No, I, I definitely felt uh, a little bit of that um, in the application process as well, of just like um, starting to realize as it got more and more real, just like it was almost a sense of, of who am I to do this, you know? Or, or, and and uh, I think there's a healthy uh, sort of, there's a healthy way to feel that and say that of like, this is an awesome gift, as you said mm-hmm. earlier. Mm-hmm. This, this is something I'm not worthy of, right? But yeah. then uh, I guess the second part that sometimes was, was getting lost for me was like, but the Lord calls me anyways, you know? Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, there, there was uh, definitely some anxiety filling out the application. And I would say um, there were a couple times throughout seminary where it just kind of hit me like, like, the awesomeness, but also my unworthiness, right? And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and and just just I I guess um, I had a really good spiritual director, uh, Father Bob Spezia, in undergrad, yeah. and he he just kind of he was gently walked me through that, saying, "Okay, yes, you're not worthy, but is the Lord <laughs> calling you? You know?" And and yeah. and, uh, and, and uh, yeah, that so that was helpful for me. Yeah. Great, great. Well, Father Steve, before we get into the second half. Oh, oh, we're oh, still the, in the first half? Yeah, we're still in the first half. <laughs> this is great. All I mean, right. All great stuff. That's, right, why we, right. that's why we had you on the podcast, because we know uh, you were going to bring something special to we the table. We knew you were going to talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so before we talk about the special assignments, because I do want to get into that, because yeah. we're not necessarily always going to be doing the same thing when we're called to the priesthood. just want to go back to your old podcast a little bit, you know, Ooh. Open Door Policy. Everybody remembers that. Uh, we're Yeah. Which is still going, by the way. They have two new hosts. They have great hosts, Father yes. Patrick Gagno and Emily Mentak, and it's a, it's mm. a great podcast. So if you're looking yeah. to hear about people who are following Jesus in all different ways in the Archdiocese of Detroit, Open Door Policy is a great way to learn Go about Go listen that. to it. Yeah. All right. And how do many it. episodes did you do um, when it was you and Danielle Center? Yeah, Danielle and I did about 60 episodes. Wow. So Ron, our you... producer here, had to uh, endure at the very <laughs> beginning. We were like, I think we were the first podcast for the Archdiocese. So mm, we were doing a lot of learning and uh, together, Danielle Center, Ron, and myself. And it was a great joy. Um, but yeah, we did it for about four years, three or four years, maybe, um, and had a great time. With That's it. amazing. Yeah. So there was something that I really liked about that podcast when you were doing it. I don't believe they do it anymore, but I want to bring that to this podcast yeah. for you, which is the rapid fire questions. Ah, las preguntas de fuego rapido. <laughs> fuego rapido. Rapido. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So we're going to go through these. Uh, I'm going to do the first 10, and David's going to do the second So we have 10. 20 of we them. We have 20, 20 questions. That's a lot of so rapid these are, fire. Yeah, they're not all very hard, but, you know. And you have them in front of you, and I'm trying very hard not to look down and Ooh. cheat. So oh. thank you for picking up your paper and shielding thank it. You, thank you, thank you. Like a, like a right. middle school kid and if cheating our pro- on a test. <laughs> like, keep your eyes on your own paper here. All right, go. I don't know, and, and if our producer wants to put in some uh, old-timey music uh, from, uh, <laughs> from Open Door Policy, uh, right, insert here. 
<laughs> all right, that was great. Yeah, all right. <laughs> all right, let the questions begin. What is your favorite church in the Archdiocese? My favorite church in the Archdiocese is Sweetest Heart of Mary right now. Mm. Favorite musician from Detroit, living or dead? Ooh, favorite musician from Detroit, living or dead? I like Bob Seger. I'm Bob a Bob Seger fan. Okay, old time rock and roll. Yeah. If totally paid for, would you rather have a truck lifted with monster truck wheels or a sports car that has a nitrous tank? I would rather have a truck. I'm too big a guy to get into a tiny little sports car. Who would win in a preach-off, St. Anthony the Golden Tongue or St. Dominic, the founder of the Order of Preachers? I think St. Anthony. All right, all right. Yeah. Hoodie or a sweatshirt? Hoodie. Hoodie, all the way. Most underrated saint that people should know about? Ooh. Um, So St. Anthony, when I was a kid, was always St. Anthony of Padua like in all the little saint books. Mm-hmm. When I came to the seminary and learned about St. Anthony of Egypt, mm. like the proto-monk, proto like the first one to invent yeah. um, monasticism, I really liked him a lot. So I would say because we're on the St. Anthony kick, St. Yeah. Yes. Anthony of Egypt or St. Anthony of Which the Which has desert. some great paintings about him because there's the temptation of him in the desert, yeah. which is awesome as well. Favorite name out of all of the popes? Oh, um you know, uh, I'm I'm gonna have to say Benedict. I like Benedict oh. the fifteenth. I like Benedict the sixteenth. Benedict the fourth. Not the favorite pope. Really the know. favorite name. Yeah, yeah I, just I, the sound. I, yeah, but I'm going with Benedict. <laughs> you want me to say Sixtus? I want to say is Crispin. Uh, a, I don't know a if pope? there's a Pope Crispin. There's a Pope Stephen. There's a Pope Stephen. But oh, uh, right. I'm gonna go with uh, Pope Benedict. <laughs> pope Benedict. Would you rather be infused with the knowledge to speak all languages or only have to sleep a half hour each night to be totally refreshed? Oh, <laughs> give me the languages. I, I love languages. As you know by my muy bueno Spanish here, uh, they don't come easy to me, but uh, I love languages. Favorite book other than the Bible? Um, the Confessions by St. Augustine. What is your favorite church in the world, not the archdiocese? Yeah favorite church in the world um i think saint anne de beaupre in quebec Mm, nice interesting nice all right if you could only read from one of these saints no others for the rest of your life yeah saint thomas or saint augustine augustine oh all right yeah. You didn't choose the Dominican option on the preaching either. No, Thomas is overrated. <laughs> no, I don't really wow. that. <laughs> Wait a minute. I love Augustine. Yeah. yeah. Sure. sure. Favorite Marian devotion or apparition? Our Lady of Guadalupe isn't yes. just my favorite. It's objectively the best. Oh, wow. That All is right. a bold claim. <laughs> if given the choice today, in a vision, would you rather see heaven, hell, or purgatory in order to teach others? Oh, I think there's... Um, uh, a challenge with understanding hell. So I think I would say hell. Oh, wow. With hell. Yeah. Who Hardcore. Saw, was it Sister Lucia that saw hell? Yeah, the children yeah, of the, Fatima. The children. And then St. Teresa Lazou, did she see? Or no? Uh, Catherine of Siena. Catherine of Siena. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Favorite apostle? I did the Camino of St. James. So uh, St. James has a special place in my heart. Now, which St. James would that be? St. James, the brother of the Lord, the first martyr who died in Jerusalem. The greater or the lesser. The greater or the I lesser. He, I think he's greater, but I, I think don't he's remember the greater. that. Yeah. 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 Uh, would you rather have the ability to read souls in confession or have the gift of healing? Ooh, well, um, 
yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no, uh, I, I think, you know, confession obviously mm. heals our soul, which is um, eternal with God, and healing the body is yes. always a temporary step towards... Good answer, good uh, answer. Good towards answer. Towards the Deep. resurrection. Yeah. Okay, favorite church document? Hmm. So that's a lot to choose from there. And I know there if you are. read some, that's why I put that question in there. Yeah, so... Um, we all have to read a bunch in seminary. <laughs> oh, yes. So I'm going to pick two. I'm going to be awful at answering the question. That's Uh-oh. okay. That's okay. We'll allow it. Okay. Um, <laughs> no fetus, points for this one. Fetus at by <laughs> JP2. Ah, yes. And then the 1891 Foundational um, Catholic Social Teaching Document, Rerum Novarum, by yes. Leo the Thirteenth. Okay. Good, awesome. good, solid picks. Would you rather get a hole-in-one once every year or play under par always in golf? Oh, under par. Always. Oh, Un- all right. I would love to not be awful <laughs> at golf. <laughs> uh, favorite story from the Old Testament? Huh. I actually like today's. Yeah. I think, um, you know, in my own discernment and prayer, Abraham and Isaac – Uh, Mm. were really important in Abraham's faith when he's asked to uh, take his son, his only son, the son that he loves, up to uh, the mountain. So Abraham and Isaac. Yes, that's a good one. We just just had uh, that in the readings. We did, yeah. Yeah, We've been going through Genesis. So uh, now we're into Exodus, but yeah, yeah, it was a couple of weeks ago. And God supplies his own son, perfect son, for us to sacrifice. It's amazing. It's awesome. Amen. Okay. Would you rather have the ability to smell like a dog? And I don't mean smell like a dog. I mean like <laughs> smell say, like a I dog. <laughs> I'm glad my odor is not canine. No, so smell as a dog would or see like an eagle? Oh, I think smelling would be really obnoxious if you could smell that well. Because there's a lot of strong odors. <laughs> a lot of stuff Especially you don't want to smell. here in Detroit. I this mean, there's true. a lot of odors you come by. Um, that might be a little um, little too potent, uh, especially since they've legalized marijuana <laughs> in Detroit. So I don't want to smell like a dog. I want to see like an eagle. Good answer. And favorite mystery of the rosary? Oh, without a question, the crowning with thorns. Mm. All right. Mm-hmm. Play that music again. <laughs> Play that old time music. <laughs> Well, thanks for the rapid-fire questions. Those were very interesting and very telling. Yeah, so favorite mystery of the rosary, Father Craig, Father David? <sighs> favorite mystery of the rosary. I know it's not my podcast to ask questions, <laughs> yeah. but I'm going to, so. Well, right Sorry. now, well, I, I like the, uh, you know, the You're proclamation. You're a luminous the, guy. Yeah, proclamation that came on, you know, that's all about preaching and... I love it. So yeah, that's very illuminating. It is. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have the same favorite mystery. So the crowning with thorns. As yeah. Well. Yep. Yeah. All right. Yeah, which is very fitting for a priest. You know, if you think about it, the head of Christ being, you know, under the authority, and mm-hmm. it's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, when uh, when we prayed it as we always also prayed the family as yeah we prayed the rosary <laughs> as a family. <laughs> Um, and I don't know where my parents got it, but they'd always talk about the fruit of the mystery. Mm. And for crowning with thorns, it's moral courage. I always uh. liked that, like especially as a young boy. Like, yeah, we got to yeah. pray for moral courage. I don't know what that is, but I like it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's kind of what it was. <laughs> well, 90% or 98% of diocesan priests are usually 
parish priest, right? They're either the associate mm-hmm. priest or a resident smart person. What's the well, correct name for it? I believe we would call that a parochial vicar. Father okay. Craig. PV. <laughs> <laughs> or a pastor, of course. Uh, get sometimes asked to take on a special assignment. Not that it's special, but it's just different from it being is special. a The assignment is, is special. The man <laughs> is not. <laughs> so you've been a part of a lot of these assignments. So it would be great to tell yeah. our listeners what those are and, and, and what it is that you would actually do in those assignments. Yeah, so I have been a priest 10 years now, and my first two years were at uh, the wonderful parish in Lake Orion, St. Joseph the Worker, Mm -hmm. um, which uh, I loved. In the last eight years, I've had three different special assignments, which are, you know, the work that the church needs priests to do that's beyond or not particularly tied to a parish. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's just uh, when I think of being in a parish, you get to go deep with a small number of people, right? The people at yes. that parish. Mm-hmm. When I think about these other uh, assignments often, you go, um, oh, it's a wider number of people, but it's a shallower way you interact with them mm-hmm. because it's, it's, it's wider. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's broader, but not as deep. Whereas in a parish, you're able to go much deeper with a, a, a narrower group of sort people. Sort of like a politician. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah, I Maybe. Don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I was trying to be creative. <laughs> I was trying. No. Um, yeah, so after two years, I was asked to be the secretary to the archbishop, and I know you've had Father Fox on here before. Mm-hmm. Um, Father Fox we had didn't talk that about position. It. Yeah, we didn't talk about that. Yeah. yeah. Talked yeah. about wrestling with him, but not that. <laughs> <laughs> In seminary stuff, right? Right. Uh, So he had that position. So for four years, I was the secretary to the archbishop. What did you do in that? Like, what would a secretary to the bishop do? I'd say a couple of things. Number one, he gets a lot of correspondence coming and going. Mm -hmm. And because some of that can be more sensitive, um, he often has a priest who, who does that, who assists him with that. So when people send in complaints or concerns or compliments or questions, it's helpful to have a priest who can navigate that with him. So he often has a priest who can do that and help with the, there's other people in the office who do this work too, but to have a priest who can take some of the burden off of him uh, in correspondence. Um, Because he often corresponds with priests, with pastors, it's helpful to have a priest to do that as well. So when someone wants him to come to, uh, to the parish to, you know, bless a new altar, to celebrate the 50th anniversary, to confirm mm-hmm. people, anything like that. Um, it's good to have a, a priest in his office who can help kind of a, arrange that and make sure that when the archbishop comes, he know like, the parish knows how to do that well. Um, I often, uh, part of the job was to be his master of ceremonies. Father David, you were like the head MC, master of ceremonies for liturgies at the seminary, right? I was, I was. I was, I was, uh, an MC at seminary for six of the eight years I was there. So. Yeah. So, so you know that role of like being the coordinator for all this stuff going on and especially the more complicated liturgies yes. like ordinations or um, the chrism mass, things like that. It's good to have a priest who can kind of quarterback what's going on so the archbishop can actually pray yeah. mm-hmm. and, and do his action without having to coordinate all the other parts. So, so I did that for four years, yeah. and that was a great blessing. But, I mean, like, did you have to open his mail up and 
stuff like that. I mean, I, when I think of secretary, I think like secretarial type stuff. Yeah, well. so it, it, it's a pre-secretary. Pre so it was handling a lot of correspondence, rep responding on his behalf for certain things. Um, so yeah, part of it was mail. A uh, big part of it was his calendar as well. Driving um, him around? I got to ri dr drive him around, ride with him, yeah, Riding drive him, him yeah. um, to different events. And um, I'll say, I think we are incredibly blessed in the Archdiocese of mm. Detroit to have a holy bishop, a bishop who loves the Lord, a bishop who's a true gentleman. So I never felt like kind of second-class citizen around yeah. him. Yeah. Um, and I learned so much from him about how to be a priest that uh, I would have never wanted that job. <laughs> if you asked me <laughs> in seminary or in a parish, I would have said that's the worst job a priest could have. Mm. And that's what uh, he asked me to do, and I feel incredibly blessed that I was able to do it. Yeah. Were you surprised by anything, by just being so close to the archbishop all the time? Um, I was surprised he asked me to do it. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so that's for sure. Um, yeah, anything yeah, good yeah. that you were like, wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I got to see that, or I got to be a part of that. So I got to be a part of a number of things, ordinations of bishops, the synod happened during my time. We had consecration of virgins, which is unusual. Uh, cardinal Shaka died during my time, so we got to do a funeral for a cardinal. Um, so there are a lot of different things that I feel really blessed uh, to be a part of. I guess I didn't know the archbishop personally. Um, he had ordained me, but he was only here a couple of years, and so I didn't know him super well when he asked me to do it. So I got to, I was surprised, like, how funny he is <laughs> and yeah. what a gentleman he is in yeah. every situation. So. And did you live with him? Yeah. Yeah. So, yep, he and I and then another priest, uh, kind of the C COO, uh, chief of staff of the diocese, what we call the vicar general, um, mm -hmm. and that was Monsignor Bob McClory. The three of us lived together. Okay. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Do you have a cook and everything? Yeah, we had someone who cooked meals. We had someone who um, kind of helped, you know, make sure that uh, – we live next to the cathedral, so like the maintenance was taken care of and all that. So Sweet. yeah, we we're really blessed. Yeah. And what was your other special assignment that you had after so that? So then after four years, I took on a role being a director of a department in the chancery, uh, which is a very administrative job. It was evangelization, catechesis, and schools. It was right after Unleash the Gospel came out. So the job was very much, how do we help implement the call to make us a missionary archdiocese throughout you know, through our department. So it had a number of parts to it. It was very administrative. And um, again, you know, not something I would have asked for, but had a wonderful time doing it. Got to meet some great people and learn how so many things happen mm -hmm. in the church. Um, you know, had a, a number of people. We hired a new superintendent during my time. So learned a ton about the workings of Catholic schools. We revamped our catechetical program during the time. So how do we help people kind of systematically know what they need to know so that they can be catechists in the archdiocese? Um, there were a number of pieces uh, we did um, around families, too, to help families. Nice. So that was a blast. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed that a lot. And it was a lot of, as I mentioned, administration, you know, working in a chancery and kind of like dealing with HR issues mm -hmm. and working around um, budgets, making sure we had the money to do the projects we wanted to do, as well as, you know, working with the priest to say, okay, 
this can be a great program, but if it doesn't actually work in parishes or priests don't know about it or they don't have the bandwidth, the time to do it, how effective is it going to be? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that, that was a blast. And, like, how did you, I guess, just be a priest? I mean, did you have a parish assignment in during this time? You said Mass every day, of course, but where did you do that? Did you have an office? Did you, like, have a briefcase that you went <laughs> to work every single day? Because <laughs> I mean, most priests just kind of walk down the stairs and they're, <laughs> they're in their parish office. Right. Yeah. So when I was with the Archbishop, uh, you know, uh, lived with him, and there's uh, a bit of an office at his residence, but there's also an office at the Chancery, which is the headquarters, the kind of central services, quote-unquote, for the Archdiocese of Detroit. Um, and, yeah, we'd go down there most every day. Um, so it was very much kind of a, the, I don't know, it's the wrong way to say it, but like the business part of the church. Um, you know, we, we were downtown next to a number of other offices. Mm-hmm. And so I would we'd go down there. You'd park a couple of blocks away and walk mm-hmm. over with your briefcase and your bag lunch and uh, go to work for the day. Um, there was oftentimes I'd be out at parishes, too. So there were times when it was much more kind of um, interactive with people. But part of being in administration is that stuff needs to get done. There needs to be mm-hmm. people who review programs and who meet to talk about what's the strategy going to be so that when it goes out, it's ready to go out so that when people use it, it's ready, you know, to be used. Um, But I always had a Sunday assignment. So I'd go out to a parish on Sunday, uh, St. John Vianney in Shelby Township for the last four years and spend, go out there and, and have mass. And while I had been doing that, the pastor got pretty sick at that parish and eventually mm-hmm. passed away. So more and more I would go out there and help with other masses. And that was a, a beautiful part of the ministry that I got to know this group of people in this parish yeah. uh, at St. John Vianney. So I did. I never felt like I wasn't being a priest. I never felt like you know some kind of business person who wears a collar. Um, mm-hmm. I always felt like everything I'm doing is for the Lord. I've consecrated my life to him through ordination, and everything I do is for him, whether it's sacramental and pastoral or whether it's more administrative in planning. Yeah. And then now you got a new assignment now, too. So just in July, I started uh, a new assignment as the director of pastoral formation at Sacred Heart Seminary. So uh, What does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> figure still figure it out new. as you go, yeah. huh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm still pretty new, but it involves a lot of the work that the seminarians do away from the seminary. Mm-hmm. So when they go to hospitals to learn how to do hospital ministry, when they learn how to do evangelization outside of the seminary, and then when they do internships and um, at parishes, um, I'll coordinate a lot of that work. Yeah. I'm, I'm still getting used to talking about seminarians as they, <laughs> and not me. <laughs> yeah. oh, you're just uh, over a year? Yeah, ordained? a little over a year now. Yeah. So. All right, and you're not the youngest priest anymore. Or are you I still? am the youngest. I'm not the, the most recently ordained, but I'm still the youngest. Youngest in age. So, yeah. 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 We got a young one here. He's, you probably got another year or two, another couple of years. Yeah, I think, I think when uh, – if uh, – there's uh, maybe maybe two years. Yeah, okay. there's uh, somebody coming through who will beat me. So All right. <laughs> take the title. Now, Father Steve, I know a little bit about your life, and I know um, oftentimes I've heard you on interviews. I've you know seen quotes in the newspaper from you. <laughs> I know you go off and do speaking engagements, something that other priests that are pastors can't do because they're at their parish and they've got all these different responsibilities. 
you get to do some different things like starting a podcast that was never done before and yeah. i'm sure you got to do a lot of other stuff what was some of those things that are yeah. pretty pretty cool and speaking engagements and things like that so um I, you know god uses the gifts we have grace builds on nature saint augustine's or no saint oh, wait. <laughs> who was that <laughs> uh, but that's an axiom of the church that grace builds on nature like that's why human formation is part of seminary right it's not just like hey are you a holy guy but are you configuring your life including all of your natural gifts and abilities to the Lord. Um, so I think, you know, the Lord used my desire to, um, I wanted to kind of go into law or things like that. So I've gotten to do a lot of public speaking, which I enjoy a lot. I know for some priests, it's the thing they don't look forward to, right? Mm -hmm. Some priests, some sure. men I know sure. thinking about seminary, it's like, well, I don't know if I could get up there and preach every week. Like yeah. I wouldn't know what to say, or I would feel like sheepish or self-conscious um you know I, i've always enjoyed public speaking and so i've been asked to do a number of different things some around podcasts and teaching and oftentimes for uh interviews with media or around things we're doing to kind of be the spokesman for certain aspects and uh I, I've liked doing that. Yeah. I, I find that to be fun. I know we were on vacation yeah. <laughs> uh, a number of months ago, kind of traveling together for a couple of days, and I did one, and you were kind of laughing at me yeah. doing this <laughs> in, in the background. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that was fun. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting. I mean, it's somewhat nerve-wracking. I've been interviewed a couple times, and you get kind of nervous at first if you yeah. haven't done it before, you know, like this is going to be in the newspaper or this is going to be on the news. Um, so it takes the right person to feel comfortable to be able to do something like that. I think you do it well. Thanks, dude. <laughs> so uh, you do have another podcast out, do you not? And uh, what is that podcast and what is it about? Yeah, there's quite the panoply of podcasts. I don't know if that's panoply. the right word. Panoply. I'm going to go with panoply. Oh, like it's a $5 it. word. Quite the panoply of podcasts in the Archdiocese uh, repertoire, including this wonderful, what I would call the best of the podcasts oh, thank here. You. Thank you. Um, but we also do, uh, you know, the uh, Open Door Policy is still going on, and the Archbishop does a podcast. Eyes on uh, Jesus. Eyes on Eyes Jesus. I know Detroit Catholic does a podcast as well, uh, Detroit Stories or Catholic mm -hmm. Stories, which is really good. Uh, and then we do one for people who are kind of working in the church, want to work in the church, who have made a living or dedicated a substantial part of their time, life, energy, skills to building up the church. And that presents its own series of challenges and opportunities and um, you know, care that's needed. So Encounter, Grow, Witness is a podcast that I do with this wonderful lay ecclesial minister, the director of evangelization at the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Little Flower in Royal Oak. So Beth Spazarni and I do a monthly podcast just about what it means to work in the church, um, especially for lay people, and how we can not just become professionals competent at doing the work, but how we can grow as disciples of the Lord in the midst of that. Yeah, awesome. Now, I know there's an other many different special assignments, but we don't really have much time to talk about yeah. them anymore. But, you know, vocation director is one You're of them. You're a special assignment. Uh, it is a special assignment. Um, hospital chaplains, mm -hmm. uh, college chaplains. Uh, what else am I missing here? Oh, well, there's some Moderator of the more the uh, administrative ones, working in the tribunal, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah uh, so down in, in the chancery and in, in the office where I work, the, the building I work, there are about six or seven priests who work there. There's yeah. a vicar for clergy, the vicar general, the moderator, or, or the uh, uh, 
who's the canon law judicial guy? Judicial vicar. Judicial vicar, thank you. So, yeah, there's a number of different assignments like that. Chaplains to colleges or hospitals, yeah. vocations directors, as awesome. you say. And then I work with a number of priests at Sacred Heart Seminary who are all in special assignments yeah. with me here. That's true. Yeah. So, uh, Father Polis, uh, if you have anything to say to a young man thinking about the priesthood right now, what would you say to that person? Well, from my own experience, I would say you need to carve out time to actually hear God's voice. And I think, you know, for for most young people, that means time of silence without distraction. It means putting your phone away Mm -hmm. and praying and not just once, like building a relationship with the Lord, um, which takes work and can be challenging. So we need to put away the things that can easily distract us from that. So regular prayer. And finding, you know, if you can't do that or you don't know how to do that, find someone, the parish priest uh, at your parish who can help you do that. And then any relationship with Jesus has to begin with a realization that he is Lord. And for Jesus to be Lord means he is ultimate dominion over your life. And so to approach that, to say, Jesus, whatever you want, I give you. That's the only way we're going to find real, true, lasting happiness if we put everything at Jesus' feet and give him whatever he asks for. And if you do that, you will be happy in a way that nothing in this world can offer, whether he's calling you to be a priest, a married man, a a single man, a religious. um, That is how you're going to find true happiness. Jesus, you have my whole life. What do you want me to do? Awesome. Amen. Hey, thanks for uh, coming to this podcast. We really appreciate this conversation and having you on. Thanks, Father yes. Craig. Thanks, Father David. This has been a hoot. It's good to be with you. You want to lead us out in a prayer? Yeah. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, our mother, To thee do we come, before thee we stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not our petition, but in thy mercy hear and answer us. Amen. Amen. In the Father, and Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you again, Father Polis. You've been listening to Men of the Hearts, a monthly podcast from the Archdiocese of Detroit, Office of Priestly Vocations. Join me every month, Father Craig Guerra and your host, Father David Pelican. As we explore the priesthood, hear vocation stories from priests all over the archdiocese and answer questions about discerning a priestly vocation. Tune in every month to wherever you get your podcasts and learn more at DetroitPriestlyVocations.com. God bless everyone. Amen. 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 Sing it over. Okay. I don't I don't right. know that one. <laughs> Lilies of the field, man.